0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Global Geek News Podcast. Finally, we are back. This is episode number 10, and I am your host, Jeremy Bray, better known as PC Nerd 37 Of course, you can find me at Twitter.com slash PCNerd37, FriendFeed.com slash PCNerd37, and pretty much anywhere other sites, Plurk, whatever. Not to say that I use Plurk, but I have an account. Okay, well, as I'm sure you've noticed right now, I am solo. I don't have a clue what's up with Larry, haven't spoken to him in a while, so hopefully everything's okay with him. From the looks of it, I am on my own right now, could be looking for a new co-host, so if you're interested, shoot me an email at PCNerd37 at GlobalGeekNews.com, or you can always direct message me on Twitter, that works just as well, too. Uh, Even though I don't have a co-host or any guests lined up for today, this was just kind of a Spur of the moment thing. I've been wanting to get back into it for quite a while now, but I—it was just kind of a thing this afternoon on top of a Global Geek News blog post that's done incredibly well. Check that out at globalgeeknews.com/blog, or on, just on globalgeeknews.com. Just click on blog, and it should take you there. Um, after seeing how well that did, I figured, okay, it's time. I finally have the opportunity to restart the podcast. So here it is, right now. Like I said, hopefully next time we'll have some guests, some co-hosts, something like that. Possibly in the near future I may open it up so I can bring anybody who wants to be on the show on the show to talk about whatever. But until then, I still have my great big lineup of stories, so I guess we can get right into those. Go ahead and give them a quick rundown. And also, before I get into running down the stories... I, not this episode, but hopefully starting next episode, I will also be streaming the recording of the episode live on Stickam, which you should be able to access the stream by going to globalgeeknewslive.com. I also plan on uh, recording the stream, so whether you want to watch this as video or listen to it as audio, it'll be completely up to you, just giving you... Another option, you can do whatever you choose. I will say that I'm not the most attractive person in the world, not to say that I'm the ugliest, but I'm not any more pleasant to watch than anybody else, so (laughs) Um, if anything, I guess you can at least get to see what I look like and figure out how you want to consume the show, if nothing else. Um, Also, new logos for this and the Geek News Daily podcast, check that out also, I'm a lot more regular on that than I am on this, which hopefully that'll change and I'll get both of them when they're supposed to be done, this one being, of course, weekly and the other one daily. Um, but yeah, check that out. I am also looking into here in the nec- in the very near future starting to sell merchandise for both Global Geek News and Geek News Daily. So, like, shirts and stuff with, like, the Global Geek News and Geek News Daily logos knows what I'll do. I'll, I know I'll do shirts, probably hoodies. If you have any suggestions past that, let me know if you want them on, like, mouse pads or coffee cups or whatever. I'll do whatever the people want. Let's put it that way. Anyway, as far as the stories we have today, peer-to-peer traffic is going go, is supposed to grow by 400% in the next five years. In another peer-to-peer story, peer-to for peer-to-peer compliance, school... Universities are seeing the red as they shell out the green. Microsoft declares today Global Anti-Piracy Day. Sony says all your actions are belong to us. That's the Global Geek News blog post. So make sure you click that in the show notes. Head there, read that. It's getting a lot of attention all around the PlayStation community. you want to check that out. Anyway, Google releases the Android source code... E3 is going back to the big show and could be opening up to the public. iList debuts social classifieds. A Kentucky judge, judge upholds the state's gambling domain grab. New PSP units suffer from major interlacing problem. And finally, Microsoft proposes phones that tap and rub to get your attention. All that and more coming up on the Global Geek News Podcast, so stick with us. back. Um, also, looking to do some intros and outros for the show and stuff. If you're interested in helping with those, please email me at BCNR 37 at globalgeeknews.com. Anyway, let's go ahead and get right into our stories. First story being peer-to-peer traffic said to grow by 400% in the next five years. Uh, I had this story uh, twittered to me today by the Pirate Bay which I tend to get a lot of news from them when it comes to -to peer-to-peer stuff that they gather from all the different sites around the internet, like torrent freaks and whatnot. But anyway, according to this story, which is a bunch of statistics that have been drawn together from multimedia intelligence who did a study about peer-to-peer technology it says that there's going to be an explosive growth of a magnitude of 400% in the next 5 years or equating to 8 petabytes of tra- of traffic per month which is pretty much enough to make any ISP cringe not to mention the RIAA, MPA, Fp any other organizations you want to throw in there that hate peer-to-peer technology uh Apparently they're contributing this primarily to the rise in legitimate peer-to-peer traffic. I guess with a lot of services like BitTorrent, LimeWire, and others, and VOs and stuff that are starting to move away from the illegitimate and going more to the le- the legitimate traffic, it's going to start um, c- turning into more legitimate traffic, and which is going to account for a large part of this increase of 400%. They say that at some point around this time that it, legitimate traffic will take over illegitimate traffic, which I have a real hard time believing that. I figure I've, I personally I think legitimate tra- traffic is going to go more towards streaming sites like Hulu whereas illegitimate traffic is going to stick to peer to peer. I mean there's still going to be a ton of legitimate peer to peer stuff whether it's like linux distributions or other content providers distributing their stuff that way but i don't see that taking over the Ill- the legitimate traffic taking over the peer to peer traffic anytime soon especially with um the continuing number of sites like hulu and and the cw and, or the wb and among others that are putting more of their content online which really is kind of a way of keeping people off the peer-to-peer sites, because if you can do it online and make it easy, it's going to be a whole lot easier. People are going to be a whole lot more likely to do that rather than go to um, things like BitTorrent. Personally, that's not the case with me. I prefer to get my TV shows off of BitTorrent, even though I I also watch them on TV. But then again, I just hate commercials, so that's just me anyway, and another peer-to-peer related story, so as you heard earlier, we've got three of them. This one is about, um, as I've, I've, I believe we mentioned this on show number, I think it was number 8, with the Higher Education Act where college campuses and universities now have to patrol their networks for illegal peer-to-peer usage and try and stop it. Um, like I suggested back in I think it was episode 8 I don't know I guess just either I can go back and check it you guys can go back and check it frankly I'm lazy you guys can go back and listen to the old episode um, anyway like what was expected this new uh, law causing college campuses to fight on la- fight the piracy that goes acro- on across their networks it's costing them a huge amount of money Apparently, in this study, which is from the Campus Computing Project, 321 colleges and universities were surveyed, and it shows that 42.6% of public universities and 32.3% of private universities have picked up a license for a legal music service, which they often refer to. Refer st- students to to try and keep them off the peer-to-peer networks. So this way is it's more of a legitimate way to get their music. Although only three of those schools in the entire survey were actually paying for the services. Apparently the others are part of a no-fee ruckus service instead. But apparently the costs are really mounting up in two main areas one being paying for IT and legal staff, and the other one being traffic-shaping gear and software, which, these can both be major expenses, and private universities, according to the survey, spent more than $100,000 on average last year just for the software licensing fees. And they spent another $100,000 on special peer-to-peer hardware costs, which I would assume would be some kind of, like, deep packet inspection routers and stuff like that, something that you'd see at a normal ISP level, as well as $143,000 in other direct costs for anti-peer-to-peer equipment. For And no matter what the school is, especially even for a large school, this is by no means pocket change. Uh, According apparently the real money is mainly spent with staff. Uh, it says that campus lawyers at universities spent directly spent 44 to 46 hours a year on peer-to-peer issues. IT departments at the universities spend 605 to 778 hours a year on peer-to-peer. And student affairs staff at universities spend 140 to 216 hours a year on peer-to-peer, which that alone could easily top a half million dollars a year annually for costs of just fighting the peer-to-peer traffic. Now, of course, the RIAA has to stick their two cents in there, causing this a one-sided report that ignores the complete picture, according to the RIAA's Cara Duckworth, says and she says that it's no surprise that managing the network requires some time and resources but that seemingly ignored the enormous costs associated with not responding to the rampant exchange of copyrighted works on a peer-to-peer network. Bandwidth management costs alone are associated with illicit peer-to-peer use is extensive. Now, this is true that bandwidth costs are tremendous, especially when you're dealing with peer-to-peer and stuff, so... Yeah, that's true, but how true that is, compared to what they're spending to fight it, who knows? Apparently they didn't really go into that. According to the RIAA, some have said that by implementing... uh, that, According to University of Utah's Charles Wright in a statement to Congress in 2007, that in the three years that they had implemented a peer-to-peer throttling solution, let's call it, that they had saved about $1.2 million per year on bandwidth charges, as well as approximately $70,000 a year on personnel costs that would have otherwise been required to respond to the copyright abuse complaints. So, I don't know which report you you want to go with, what the RIAA says, or the Um, campus computing project. Personally, I never believe anything the RIAA tells me, so I would take that for worth a grain of salt, and I would be more likely to believe the other project, considering I kind of called this from the beginning. Okay, one more more piracy-related story. Microsoft has declared today, today being... Tuesday, October 21st, I guess. Global Anti-Piracy Day. Apparently, they're launching efforts as well and education initiatives and enforcement actions and whatnot to combat pirate and, and counterfeit software in 49 countries. They've got an interactive map which you can find through the show no, through, in the story through the show notes at globalgeeknews.com. detailing their uh, piracy fighting efforts across the globe including in China where it's providing technical training to law enforcement to help them better police and identify counterfeit software as well as in Brazil trying to raise awareness among Brazilian educators about the importance of teaching students about innovation and the high cost of piracy and including as well as Indonesia, where they're kicking off a two-month-long national campaign to get computer dealers to sell only licensed software on machines. And, of course, that's not all. We have it right here in the U.S., where apparently they decided to file 20 civil lawsuits against resellers that they believed are selling unlicensed and counterfeit Windows XP and Microsoft Office software. Um be honest, none of this comes as any big surprise to me. They've been fighting piracy for a long time. Even in Southeast Asia, they've dropped their the prices of their software to practically nothing. Just to get people to buy it rather than get a copy of it from the local distributor that just makes his own copies of it. Apparently they're, this is all an effort to try and get money, because it says that according to a Microsoft-funded report by the IDC that was, I believe, just a couple months ago, each dollar lost to software piracy equals about $5.50 in lost opportunities. So they're certainly going to do everything they can to get back those opportunities. I don't have a clue how well this is going to work, this whole campaign, but I know a lot of people like me, if it's free, it's a whole lot better than paying a whole bunch of money, so it probably won't make a whole lot of difference. But hopefully it can, especially with the training police to um, notice it more in China and stuff, because it seems to me like that's, I recall seeing some study, I don't know how long ago it was, that China was the biggest place for software piracy. Where like ninety some percent of, of their software was pirated. It seems like I don't know. I'll have to see if I can dig that story up. Anyway, enough of the pirate start the piracy stories and everything. Let's talk about some more happy things, like Google releasing the Androids source code. What I'm told, I'm told it weighs in somewhere around two gigs, but Google has finally released the source code for the Android based, or the Linux based Android mobile platform some, which is something people have been griping about for some time because it was supposed to be open all along and they a lot of people were complaining because they weren't telling the developer community what was going on and why things weren't working and stuff like that as far it was really alienating some third parties so now, finally, everything's out there for everybody to develop on, and it's all under the GPL license. So people can contribute based on that license. And there's a lot of, and there's a number of components under the license, including SQLite, WebKit, among others. And they're including also included in the source code released is the, Google's Dalvik virtual machine. And Java-based middleware layer and the dis, which are distributed under version two of the Apache Software License. Now, there's in the story. There's a bunch of different things in terms of what's under what license and whatnot. So, there is one thing that they have in there where commercial companies can build their own proprietary enhancements on top of the technology if they want, which of course, a lot. Of, some of the more f- software freedom advocates are kind of fighting, but this is more of a way to stimulate the and grow the ecosystem for this mobile platform more than anything. But even then, it'll be compatible under version... that it'll be part of the ASL and compatible under version 3 of the GPL so that developers can make copyleft derivatives if they so choose. Um, there's all kinds of stuff in here that says that um, right now the source code can be compiled on either Linux or Macs, but they specifically recommend Ubuntu because that's what it's most frequently, what the distribution is most frequently tested upon. And of course you're going to need some things like Python, the the JDK, a standard compilation toolchain and a number of other open source libraries and stuff to get a destroyer, you can start developing on it if you so choose. So you might want to check out the story. It's got a whole bunch of links in there about how to go about getting the source code and stuff. I've played a little bit around with making some apps using the Android SDK. I gotta say I kind of like it. I haven't done anything about the past two weeks, but I think I'm going to start spending more time developing Applications for Android, and once the Android marketplace allows for you to charge for applications, I think I'll start doing that as a way of trying to make a little bit of money on the side compared to my regular job and everything. Speaking of really cool things, E3 has finally decided to go back to its old, big format, where they're now going back to the L.A. What is it? The LA Convention Center, I believe? Yeah, the Los Angeles Convention Center. And they're now... And they're bringing it to June this year, which I think is a little later in the original... I think it was originally always done in May, but now it's sooner than it has been in, like, the past two years. But they're now bringing it back, making the big spectacle out of it. The announcement isn't supposed to take place until tomorrow, tomorrow being Wednesday, which will actually probably be today when, by, by the earliest when you hear this podcast because I'm sure I won't get it up tonight. But there's also being taught, there's also talk of allowing the public to come in with an attendance cap of 40,000. I guess there were originally rumors going around that there were going to be the last two days of the show were going to be specifically set set aside for the public to attend now apparently that's not necessarily the case who knows what's going to happen I'm sure everything will be revealed at the announcement tomorrow although I'm sure a lot of people including myself are kind of wondering if we're going back to the old format are we going back to Booth Babes okay next story IList, not sure if you guys have heard of it, but it's basically a way of doing social classified ads. Where you can now put your classified ads all across your social networks, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, FriendFeed, Pounce. I think it said you can even use it to put your ads on Craigslist, which of course being a classified service in and of itself. And it'll also have um, a Facebook application and everything where you can basically help your friends sell stuff by helping them advertise their classified to all your friends. And it's basically just a way of getting more people to see your classified ads by uh, leveraging your um, social graph. That's essentially what it is. So you might want to check this out. It seems pretty cool. I haven't tried it out yet. Apparently, it just kind of came out of Stealth Beta today, I guess, according to uh, TechCrunch. So, Check this out. I'm really curious to see where this goes, especially with the competition that it has out there from well-established classified things like Craigslist and Kijiji. Not to mention the fact that Facebook already has apps that basically do something similar to this such as ShopIt but apparently this is supposed to be something that those Facebook apps like ShopIt are and then a whole lot more and it's got a whole lot more functionality and it's basically uh, classifieds on Facebook done right from the sounds of it so check that out, I assume the, the, their web address is com. I Yes, I probably should have checked that. Yeah, it is. So, check that yeah. out. Check that out. Read the story. Let me know what you think. I'd like... I might be trying this out myself, so I've got some old collectible stuff that I'd like to get rid of, like some old baseball cards, football cards, just some more old sports collectibles primarily. i got a huge collection of junk that I just need to get rid of. But Anyway... Next story, Kentucky Judge okays a 141 site net casino land grab. Uh, don't know how many of you guys have been following this story, but basically, with Kentucky being a large... having a large uh, casino economy, I should say, they're basically fighting these online casinos, which are apparently... which they claim to be taking the profits away from their gamblings for, like, horse winnings and stuff like that. So, now they're... now they've been able to successfully take away the domain names for these 141 gambling sites. I believe it just started out with two gambling sites. but They've now seized the domains of 141, which... I don't see how this can't eventually end up overturned in, like, the... Supreme Court or State Supreme Court or something like that, because being able to, for for Kentucky to say that basically this is their territory and they can basically seize any domain off the internet that I want, that they want, whether or not it's in their jurisdiction is absolutely stupid. If you want to look at the whole thing, there's a 43-page ruling and everything that's linked to through the post in the show notes but it, it really is just amazing how uneducated people like this judge really are on how exactly the internet works and everything. It, I don't know. I guess this should be too big of a surprise coming from this particular part of the country. No offense if you happen to live in Kentucky or that general area, but I just don't really see that as a very um, technological, Uh, very technologically uh, intelligent area. Let's put it that way. Probably not the words I want to use, but they'll work. Uh, Anyway, check this out. It's really some nasty stuff, so you'll want to look at that. Oh, I just realized that I completely skipped over a story. Which, of course, being the most important story in my mind. But actually, I'll get to that after this next story, because they're kind of related anyway. Um, next story is that the PSP 3000, which is the new PSPs that are have just been shipped and I think are starting to show up, is suffering from some major screen interlacing problems. Of course, I don't know how many of you guys have a PSP. I've got two of them, one of which I bought on launch day, the other one I grabbed off of ebay but there's always been a little bit of ghosting with the screen there's never been a real problem with interlacing well I guess with these new screens that are supposed to be nice and fancy and bright so you can see them during the daytime and all kinds of stuff basically with the new way that it is and it with the hardware that they have to try and get rid of the ghosting it instead causes some major interlacing issues which from the screenshots I've seen, honestly, make things look a whole lot worse. Apparently, there are things you can do by, like, turning off the wide color space, which that'll help, but essentially this is still, it's just part of the new screen. Sony says they ain't gonna do anything about it, whether or not you like it, so. I guess they're just calling it a feature because of... It's supposedly fixing like the ghosting issues and whatnot. Uh, you can find more information about that, of course, in the show notes at globalgeeknews.com. But I can, I don't know. I was honestly looking into getting one of these PSP three thousands just because I don't have one of the PSP two thousands, and I'd like to get some of the capabilities. Like I'd be, like to be able to have a system that thinner is nice, but. I'm more looking into having the extra RAM so I can use Skype on it and stuff, which would be nice. But after seeing this, I'm not so sure I want to do that. I'd like to have a new screen, but I'd almost rather go with a PSP 2000 just to avoid these issues. Which, I really don't need a third PSP anyway. I only ever play one. I don't even know the last time I used one. Which, actually, is the first one I owned. It's just finding good faceplates for those things anymore isn't as easy as it used to be. And the one that I have on there is all scratched up. And of course there goes apparently I just got an email for something. But anyway, in a related story for the PlayStation, I posted yesterday... Well, let me start from the beginning actually. On Friday I received an email from Sony alerting me that with the PlayStation Network they had updated their Terms of Service slash user agreement. Well, I, on Saturday, or on Friday, I was bored at work, so I decided that I'd go ahead and read the all the new additions to the Terms of Service just for the heck of it. And I realized just how absolutely horrible these new Terms of Service were. Well, I Twittered at the time that I was going to write a post on it. Well, I didn't get around to it Friday, and I was just busy all weekend. So, come yesterday morning, uh, I guess it was probably, mm, I don't know, like, middle of the morning, around 10.30 or so, I decided, okay, it's time to that I need to write this. Well, right around the same time Ars Technica put a post up talking about how terrible these new terms of service are. But they left several major things out. So I went ahead and wrote a blog post about this on the Global Geek News blog, globalgeeknews.com slash blog, uh, going through, quoting the new statements from the um, Terms of Service, talking about how horrible they are, and basically... After that, just going on a complete blitz in the PlayStation community just to try and get people to read this and know what they're getting into with Sony. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff from basically now any hope of privacy you had is gone. Everything you do on the network, everything you say in a game, everything when you browse a website or whatever, anything you do on the PlayStation network can now be... Logged for them to do whatever they want, mainly to monitor for terms of service breaches. So basically, you say something you're not supposed to, you're banned. And there's some other new restrictions in there, like which I actually posted, which I talked about in a follow up post that I posted today. But basically, like you're not allowed to say your name, anybody else's name, any kind of personally identifying information which, it makes sense if you're wanting to combat the child predators and whatnot, but it doesn't make sense for everybody else. I mean, I don't know how many friends I have met online through games and stuff over the years that are now still really good friends that I ended up meeting on these games, finding out who they were. If I can't find out who these people are, that's kind of really going to restrict me in terms of the friends i can really have and i really and i don't want to risk getting banned just because i try to make friends on there and that that's not right but and that's only a small portion of this new terms of service basically now in their terms of service they've outlined that if you any time you lose any content that you've purchased from the PlayStation network on the PlayStation store or PlayStation video store or whatever if you lose it, whether it's the hard drive dies, the hard drive gets corrupted, they update the software on your system, you lose functionality or it corrupts your data, if it's their fault, too bad, you're out of luck. They won't be repli- they refuse to replace anything. You can't re-download anything once you've downloaded it or anything. It's basically you got one shot and if you screw it up, you're out money. And if you want it back, you'll have to pay more money and this is horrible not even Xbox Live does this to you you can you can go back and download stuff you've already paid for on Xbox Live Now with Sony now it's basically, you lose it you're out of luck and that's just horrible I mean, who wants to buy all these movies off the PlayStation uh, video store lose them and then have to buy them all over again I mean, when you're talking about the rental stuff, that's not so bad. That's only got 14 days that you can view it on, and it's only, like, three bucks or something like that anyway. So, really, that... If you're talking about the rentals, it's not that big of an issue. But when you're talking about the movies that you buy to own them, like Ghostbusters or something like that, then it becomes an issue. So if you're getting stuff off the PlayStation Network in terms of, like, videos and stuff like that, I highly recommend you rent rather than buy. Because if you buy it and something goes wrong with your system, you're screwed, you lose everything. So, just keep that in mind. And, of course, that's not all with with this new agreement. It says that basically all your personal information, they're free to share it with any third party they want, and anybody your their third party wants to share it with also. So basically, and it doesn't really define what personal information they're sharing about you, whether it's your name, your address, your just your general location around the country, your credit card number, who knows, but essentially, when these companies share the information, this creates copies of your data in multiple sources and it's going to be a whole lot more likely for somebody to get a hold of this information and wipe out your credit cards um, do some kind of identity theft or whatever and really has a great big opportunity of screwing you so I mean the whole idea of customer Privacy and security on this has really just completely gone out the window. I mean, yeah, they're trying to protect kids from online predators, but really they're gone they've gone way too far and then, in the name of the Almighty Dollar, they're really jeopardizing people's security, which I had it pointed out in one of the comments saying that on another page they value their customers' privacy. It's like uh-huh. Yet your terms of service says that you give all of our information to basically anybody who asks for it. Anyway, if you really wanna, if you own a PSP or a PS3 and you're con- connected to the PlayStation Network, I highly, highly, highly recommend you go to the Global Geek News blog. Um, it's lo- it's linked to in the show notes. You need to read this. If you j- even if you just care about privacy and security in general, you should read this. But if you own either of those, those systems, and I don't know how much the PlayStation Network is a part of the PS2, but even if you own a PS2, I highly recommend you read this. I've also gotten a number of feedback on it. A lot of people saying, well, it's no worse than anything else. Well, over, by the end of the week, I'm going to go through and compare this to the terms of service that you can get with like the Xbox 360 and the Nintendo Wii so we'll see just how bad this really is and just how bad the Terms of Service are for the Xbox and the Wii. Anyway, enough of that. Got, uh... one more story, so... Okay, for the last story, new thing coming out of Microsoft, where they're proposing um, some new phone technology to outside of regular rings and vibration to alert you if you happen to have a new message or a phone call or something like that. Basically, these new forms of uh, notification include tapping and rubbing to get your attention. It details kind of how they work, but essentially... It'll allow for people to to get for common messages and stuff. You could it'll you can program it to say, okay, like tap me this sequence of times or rub me in this certain way, and I can know what kind of a what it is, what kind of a message I'm getting, or whatever. Don't know if I'll, I don't know if I like this idea. I certainly don't expect it to expect to see it in phones anytime soon I guess this is still kind of a research concept at this point but personally vibrate and ring works just fine for me I really don't need to have anything else I don't need my phone to tap me I don't need it to rub me I mean if I got if I had a phone that could rub my back when my back sore that would be fine but that's about as close as I really want my phone to rub me Anyway, that's basically all. Don't forget to check out the show notes at globalgeeknews.com and the Global Geek News blog at globalgeeknews.com slash blog and the Geek News Daily podcast at geeknewsdaily.com. Uh, that's everything for this week. I hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to you can comment on globalgeeknews.com or you are always welcome to send me an email at globalgeeknews or at pcnerd thirty seven at globalgeeknews.com Don't forget to follow me on Twitter twitter.com slash pcnerd thirty seven and friendfeed uh, friendfeed at friendfeed.com slash pcnerd thirty uh, seven. That's it for this week. If you would like to be a guest or possibly even a host on the Global Geek News podcast, do shoot me an email or a direct message to me on Twitter. I will get back to you, usually within a matter of minutes. So if you're interested, shoot me a message. And that's it for this week's show. Thanks for listening.